Welcome back to Flexipose episode 181, recorded on October 10th, 2017. On the docket today, IRL, a small discussion as we recently visited Los Angeles in 2049, get caught up on what you plan, featuring Battlefront 2, and Singularity. Finally, we'll close out the show with that community grab bag and the sweet, 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 sweet awkward finish. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Flexible time. I am Jason. That is Lucas. Welcome, welcome. Thanks for joining us on our podmatic journey through time and space as we bend the continuum and merge our mind bullets together and cross the streams with when we pee together in the toilet, not with like proton pack guns. So, Lucas, how are you, sir? I'm better now that you said all that. Yeah. Looking forward to that. Right, right as we started the show, I'm like, you noticed I was squinting into my webcam. It's like, I'm like, what is that creepy looking thing on the shelf behind you? That it looks like a weird bald man with a goatee having his way with a furry thing. And I was like, oh, it's a Tuscan Raider on top of a large bumper. It is. I found this at Target on clearance, and I wanted more stuff like this for my office because I don't have a lot of like figurines or. Anything. Random gadgets. Just, yeah, I just have things. stuff for the walls. So I thought, I like that. See, now I, that's why I positioned myself on the left side of the camera, because then you don't see ugly curtain. You see my random shelf with stupid crap. But there's nothing good. Just old DVDs that I never watch or will never leave that said shelf ever again. And Captain America. He's there, too. Because he's a good time. He is a good time. You know, he's, he's a good time. You want to party with Captain America because you know you're going to have a good time, but you won't get in too much trouble. We don't even have to try because it's always it's a good always time. It's always a good time. It's always Thank a good you, time. Carly Rae Jepsen. Appreciate that. Uh-huh. <laughs> 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 oh, there it is. Alrighty. We're two minutes, three minutes, four minutes in. Yoda's made an appearance. Welcome. Great. Well, we got Sean's attention for the entire episode. Nice job. We're there. That's We're there, all my I'm friend. here for. Anyway, thank you for tuning in, everybody. Let's get the show moving. As we do every week, we like to talk about ourselves, our lives, get you caught up in the comings, the goings, the comings of oh. your favorite Flux the Duo. Lucas, yeah. I already know the topic, the main event here, but yes. tell the people of. You had a great weekend, it sounds like. I did. Well, a great Sunday, as it were. Um,. You was don't know everything. Sun, was, it, was it a bloody Sunday? It was. Sunday, bloody Sunday. Um, no, Sunday, poopy Sunday, actually. Sunday, uh, poopy Sunday. <laughs> but you don't know every facet of the story, Jason, so right, there's parts of it you're not. I will. Um, so, um, Sunday morning, my wife takes our son to church uh, for the first time because they have like a daycare type deal where he can go in and play with other kids and then she attends the service and it's just mostly so that he can get some play time with other kids uh-huh. for free. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and I did not go. <laughs> I decided I was going to sleep in and uh, I'm not a particular, uh, particularly church going person anyways. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to stay home. And uh, so she left in the morning pretty early, uh, probably eight o'clock, I think. 
And Cody is downstairs in his kennel. And we bought a new one, uh, a plastic one instead of a metal one, so that it was less likely, A, it was smaller, and B, it was less likely that he would hurt himself on the um, metal bars like the other one had. And it was wor- it's, was working really well for quite some time. Um, he still sleeps downstairs in the little landing area just before you enter the office down here that I'm in right now. And uh, everything was going good. And then um, I wake up. And I come downstairs and Cody is loose. And I'm like, what the hell? Why is he loose? And then a smell wafts <laughs> over me because I'm upstairs. Uh, so he was chilling downstairs and I was upstairs and he climbed. I hear him climbing up the stairs. And I'm like, what the hell? Because, you know, that's an unmistakable sound. The sound of dog nails on a wooden floor. Yes. I'm like, oh, my God, are you serious? Because he's gotten free before, but he actually caused no no issue. He didn't even get into the trash the other time he got free. I'm not really 100% sure how he's doing it other than forcing the door open. Um, because unlike the other one where I had a padlock on it, this one, the two, uh, there's two little uh, lever thingies that you turn and it will okay. retract it will retract two pegs that go into the up the um, top and the bottom of the okay. door opening oh, as opposed okay. yeah. to locking like a like a regular slide lock. So he's somehow like popping those open or whatever. But the smell wafts over me and I'm like, what the hell? So I go downstairs because I was just going to take a shower, but I go downstairs and there's just shit everywhere all over our furniture but the the actual the the point of in the epicenter, as it were, uh, was not the living room. So I'm continuing down through our house, and then I see um, over by our uh, slider where he actually did that the dirty deed. Well, some of it, anyways. There's a poop pile on the rug in front of where the door opens to the backyard. And uh, there's also a puddle of what appears to be urine, but it's questionable. Could be throw, it could be puke, could be urine, could be hell. It could be diarrhea out the butt again. As far as I know, I'm not uh, quite sure. It's, it's substance A, we will call it. Yes, it is canine substance A. Then for the for the the moment of truth, the the hell in a cell, as it were, or Cody's cell, as it was. Uh, I go downstairs and I look in his kennel. Uh, proper and sure enough there was um there were explosions of diarrhea it was watery it was disgusting the smell jason was enough to Uh. curl your hairs um so you can imagine my first thought of course was i'm i'm done i can't do this anymore (laughs) with this dog what the hell uh I, it, it, I was upset. I didn't like take it out on him or anything. I wasn't upset about that. Really. It was just like, I knew I had to clean Like, I'm like, okay, this is me. I'm going to have to clean for the rest of the day, basically, right. because it's, just... it's a biohazard. It's not just like trash on the ground. I mean, that's gross too, but it's not fecal matter at least. Right. Unless he gets in a diaper, which has also happened. So... You know, I decide, okay, well, because 
the the plan was for Danette to drop Isaac back off and then she was going to go do some shopping shopping and now that can't happen because how am I going to clean you know poop off from everything especially the right. couch and the ottoman that we have right. if he's going to try to play on it so the plan is now that I'm going to clean all this up she's going to take Isaac with her and thank god he was pretty much uh, a saint while they were out and about um so I get to work so I start cleaning up. I clean up the mysterious um, canine liquid uh, evidence A, whatever that was. How much? How much time did you have to throw behind all of this to get it? Um, well, let's see. I woke up at ten. I didn't shower. I pretty much started cleaning right away. Probably about we'll say ten thirty, and then I wasn't done until just about after the game. But oh, I had to oh, run out. Man. Yeah, you had to run out. I meant just before the game, sorry. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. After the game started. I uh, I had to run out and buy something. Yeah, so I was probably gone for 20 minutes of that. But, uh, yeah, I cleaned for probably um, a good two hours at least, two and a half hours. So... So, basically, I have a mop with uh, changeable heads, so thankfully that was a huge help in, in cleaning up most of these mysterious puddles and piles. Uh, the rug thrown away the blanket we were using yeah. as a test bed. Thank God. So we ordered him a, an actual doggy bed. We put down a blanket as a test bed to see if he would actually lay there as opposed to constantly getting on the furniture with us. And uh, he'd been doing really well with that. So I ordered him a dog bed and it came that Sunday because if it would have came oh, nice. on Saturday, it would have been ruined already. Yep. So I would have been pissed. Um, so thankfully that hadn't happened yet, but the blanket we were using thrown away rug thrown away Isaac's toys that are out at ground level collected and put in plastic bags for contamination and uh you know uh getting poop off of it and decontaminating it and everything uh or thrown away depending on what it is of course yeah um so I moved from that to the downstairs area took his kennel out Thankfully, it kind of has uh, a bit of a bucket area before it, before you get the like breathe breathing holes and stuff in the side, so nothing sloshed out as I carried it upstairs. <sighs> cleaned all that up, cleaned down here up, and uh, of course, then it was time for the furniture. The furniture he did not poop on, but his he laid in his own, you know, makings in the kennel before he escaped. So therefore, he was a he was a dirty dog, and he slimed the couch with his mm. fecal matter, He's, and he spread his contagion all yes. over the environment. He was patient zero, and so <laughs> and the, the everything in our house was affected by his disgusting trauma. Um, so I'm like, how the hell am I going to wash this? And I think about it, and I think about it, and I say, you know what? Our kid is going to be playing on it. I'm not just going to wet a rag and then you know just smash it into the fiber more <laughs> with a little bit of cleaner or whatever so i said i i texted it and said i'm running out and i'm buying a steam cleaner damn it so i did i didn't get the one i wanted i wanted like a little portable cleaner um yeah but i couldn't find the one i wanted because most of them are like spot something. cleaners yeah yep so yeah something that spits out liquid and then vacuums it up um, and so, so it's like a fly, like throws up on the substance and then eats it. <laughs> yes, exactly. 
not just any fly, the fly. Um, so I went out and ended up buying a full actual like carpet cleaner with an attachment and everything. And, uh, thank God I did because that worked wonders. Now I did end up having to clean it twice. So I cleaned it the first time and it got all the shit out of there, but the smell was still present. So the next day I ended up doing it all over again and I made sure I got every piece of the furniture, um, besides the back of it that was facing the wall. And, um, uh, surprisingly, most of the smell is gone. Uh, I sure, I'm sure it will fade with time, but I know that anybody who's had to wipe up any kind of poop off a couch or anything like that, you know, it takes a while before that smell goes away, but the smell is mostly gone. Thank God we don't have carpet. Everything is clean. And so here's the, the new plan basically, because Danette works with somebody who works at a shelter with dogs, kind of like where Cody came from. Of course he came from a foster home at the time, but I'm, I think he did make his way through a shelter at some point while he was Mm -hmm. placed with Mm -hmm. the foster home. She said, basically we need to stop using the kennel at all. Uh, she said that for the mo from what, how, how she sees it is it's actually making his anxiety worse and it's causing these problems. So it's better off that we just take the chance that he might have a regular poop on the floor. If we leave him loose than to, Mm -hmm keep him caged up where he's going to get free and then have nasty anxiety, diarrhea everywhere. So last night was the first test of the new plan to let him sleep back upstairs where he used to when we first got him. However, the difference being no longer in a kennel, but on his doggy bed that I just, I carried it from the living room. I'll just take it back and forth for now. And uh, he seems to like the doggy bed. It was actually quite cheap and it's a decent bed. Thank God. Cause you know, it's Amazon, so you never know what you're actually going to end up with right. when you order something. Um, he seems to like it, and he stayed the entire night on the bed. Didn't even try to get on the bed one time, oh, at good. least That's for really last good. night. So, yeah, so that 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 is the end result, and we'll see how that goes. But that's kind of what we're going to do now. Uh, we used to let him loose in the house before. And he started getting in the trash, but we have a better trash can now. So that's the only we'll just move it into the. Um, side room where he can't get into close yeah, all the doors same. hope yeah. for the best yeah so, i mean if nothing else you could can, maybe you could get like a gate and confine him to you know only a certain couple of rooms yeah too. it's tough though because he's when he gets that anxiety he can get pretty um destructive with not he's not con- destructive about anything except for the thing that holds him back. So gotcha. when I leave oh, him gotcha. downstairs in just in my office, he'll scratch at the door and he's like yeah. scratch the door all up. If it's his kennel, he'll try like hell to get out of his kennel. Mm-hmm. Thing about the kennel too is that he would salivate because of the anxiety. So even if he didn't gotcha. pee or anything, it would still stink down there. So he doesn't do that. That was why we used to let him free before until he started pooping on the floor is yeah. he wouldn't salivate. He wouldn't, he would whine a little bit when we left, but he wouldn't bark. So mm-hmm. we're going to try to go back to that and just see how it goes. Um, uh, we had, that's like the one we were just talking about the other day is like, we were talking about Asher and we're like, yeah, you know, it's funny. We got Asher. They're like, Oh, he's crate trained. And they, I think they just tell you that. So oh, yeah, it sure seems the, like it <laughs> speed up the adoption process. But um, cause I mean, we had the same thing. Cause that's what we thought too. It's like, well, you know, we're not going to, 
because his, you know, his he's obviously house trained, but his habits weren't always the best. Um, you know, he would poop occasionally in the house, and then we still had. I, I'm not sure. It's it's tough to tell because the carpet's such rough, rough, tough, such rough shape mm-hmm. where he's you know soiled it before. You can't tell what stains are new or what stains are are old, and that's part of the reason why we just want to get rid of the carpet anyway. But. I got a seam cleaner you can try. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, maybe. And um, Might as well get some use out whenever, of it. So, we, you know, we did create him for the first few weeks that we had him, and he would just, it was terrible because he would h- hate to go in there, and then he would either try to bite bite at it or scratch at it to try to get out, and he just, he would pant excessively and never could, like, calm himself down. Eventually he would, and he'd sleep, but he'd still just get amped up, and then he would usually, yeah, he'd crap or pee all over inside of there and just make a bigger mess. So finally they were like, well, let's just leave him out and see what happens. And he never, he just hangs out. So, I mean, we got lucky there. We have a dog that doesn't really have that type of separation anxiety or anything. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's got his other issues. Sure. Like what rescue doesn't, but you just never know what you're going to get. And that's, that's tough. Let's like, thankfully for us, our dog's half the size of your dog and not nearly the, (laughs) he doesn't produce the, 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 he's not hair and muscle. Like, yeah, that's true. Cody can definitely be, uh, he's not as big as he seems. There's definitely larger dogs than he, than he is, but he's just bulky. And so like when he tries to lay on you or sometimes, uh, if you try to get him to go somewhere, just even if you try to get him out of the way, he'll resist immediately. And then you're Mm -hmm. just like, gosh, I forgot how freaking strong you can be, you know, or on the leash when I'm walking him or whatever, he'll pull. Um, and it's like, dang, dude, I can't, I can't walk you if you just pull the entire time. Cause this is going to have to be a short walk otherwise. Cause my Ugh. arm is going to be dislocated, right. but, uh, um, well, I'm glad you shared the pictures of the, the, oh, yeah. of the escapades with me. I thought, I, I thought I, like I wasn't I was there. I wasn't going to, cause I was like, especially at the time I was going to send them. I'm like, he might be eating or something. But then I was like, it, all it was right. so funny because you were, you're doing that. And Jess got a chance to sneak out of the house and have some time to herself. And Aiden took a nap. And I'm just like, I'm just hanging out on social media, watching <laughs> some football. And Lucas is cleaning up poop. That's this right. Is a, this is a day. Perfect day. I, j- I got done right as oh, about 10 minutes at, or five to 10 minutes after kickoff. So then when I was done, of course, we didn't have anything to sit on because everything was wet. So that was fun. <laughs> uh, you had to sit Indian style on the floor. Pretty much. Um, so, yeah, that that was that. And still, I mean, I cleaned up everything as much as I could. But, of course, you know, you still find things here and there where you're like, oh, because he wandered through the house. So uh, I have pro- I would say I have 95 percent of everything clean now. The rest is like. If I took in a black light and then, you know, checked to see where he got his filth. Yeah. I'm sure I've missed that somewhere. Uh, You'll find Um, more every day. Oh, I hope so. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, And then lastly, this was a new this is actually a new thing. I got this on Friday, I believe. And uh, I didn't look at it until Saturday. And I was like, what the hell is this? It looks all official. I get it in the mail. It's a. uh, summons for jury duty oh my goodness and i had always heard that i've never done it before and i had always heard that you know you get you're supposed to be um they give you like a questionnaire and then you mail my impression was that you mail it back and then they tell you whether or not you've been selected i actually have to go in and then find out if i've been selected for a case or not 
So there are multiple cases, oh. and I have to find out when. This is interesting. Yes. So this happens on December 4th is when I have to go in. And uh, it's all complicated. Like the Friday before. So that's a Monday. The Friday before. So on the 1st, I have to call after 6 p.m. to find out some information about what I'm supposed to be doing on that day. So, But I got to be there at 7.45 a.m. So that means, Danette, I think we talked, Danette's going to have to take work off because who's going to watch Isaac? It specifically, me, man. <laughs> it specifically says on there, do not bring your kids when you check in. <laughs> so, you know, some people have. I want you so. to bring him. No. <laughs> Maybe I should just so that I can get, get out, out of it. it. However, I do get paid. And let's face it. Right now I'm making zero dollars. So. <laughs> but you're creating memories. That's true. I am. A, I'm and kind of curious. Priceless. I kind of want to do it. I've always heard it's terrible, but. I'm just kind of Not oddly curious it. about it. <laughs> it wouldn't, wouldn't be prudent. No, I, I probably oh, yeah. will get picked. I mean, I'm a 30 year old dude with a kid. Like, I mean, I'm sure they're trying to find a jury of your peers. Right. So I feel like I fit mm-hmm. a pretty broad spectrum uh, as far as you're the, you're the every dude, man. Yeah. I'm not too rich, not too poor, not too cool. You're the <laughs> med- You're the median. So you're, yeah, I'm lukewarm water, <laughs> just kind of there. But so that's everything. So instead of cool hand Luke, you're lukewarm Luke. Warm hand Luke. <laughs> warm hand. That sounds Take gross. My warm hand. Oh boy. Ah boy. Well, what the hell's going on here, man? You're you're. you're I, we have a document which we keep to to collect our thoughts, and I see you do not have any diary entries. Yeah, I have diarrhea entries. Um, <laughs> what are you, my dog? I keep trying to remember, like, what did we do last weekend? And we went to some, you know, it's holiday festivus. We went around to some of the local, uh, there was a great, uh, Zealand had a pumpkin fest. And then you know, my dad came over on Friday and we got to hang out with him and some things like that. And, uh, you know, just a typical chill, lacy living the family life yeah yeah i know got some time with with the boy this uh <laughs> this weekend and we you know we had i got to go out to the movie with you on sunday but um yeah everything went to everything went to the verbial the proverbial crapper um yesterday and i'm not going to go into too much detail because i hadn't you know i hadn't, haven't talked with her prior to this but um Fun fact, uh, my wife, Jessica, is a frequent listener of the podcast, I have been informed. So immediately, I always think <laughs> after every week, I'm like, oh, God, what what thing did I say that she's going to be embarrassed of or, like, think my husband's such a jackass? I mean, she probably thinks that anyway, but she uh, she enjoys listening to the beginning, the IRL, and then she's usually good. She's like, I like, <laughs> I like the IRL stuff. I don't really like it when you guys get nerdy, though. I don't know what you're talking about, so I don't listen to any of that. I was like, oh, it's probably for the best. So yeah, she's she's uh she is uh, padding our stats, our podcast statistics. Nice, getting those getting those all important downloads. But um, yeah, she she I had to I had to rush home from work um one day unfortunately because uh you know Jess has suffered with um, for the past couple of years uh, positional vertigo essentially and um 
as she called it, we'll refer to it as her, her disease. And usually she'll just get hit with something. It'll come and she'll feel, usually it's, uh, she just feels dizzy and it'll last just a matter of seconds and then it's gone and then she'll be fine. But you know, when it was at its worst, um, you know, I, I saw she'd be strapped in, you know, stuck in a chair all, all day and she wouldn't be able to move. And she, you know, she has spent a good chunk of her pregnancy having to sleep, uh, almost in a seated position because if she laid down, she felt dizzy, you know, it's just, and it's just a terrible thing to have to sit on the sidelines and watch. And I can, then, um, I can kind of attest to that. Cause I had that one spell. Do you remember that? Yes. Where I just yes. randomly like, yep. I got up too fast or something and I felt dizzy and I was like, Oh, that's weird. And then it didn't go away because I talked stopped. to you about it and you, yep. that's when I found out that she had it and yeah. yeah, you can't do anything. You just have to, no. you just have to lay down basically. Yeah. And she's gotten like a lot better. Like the most movement I've seen her be able to do, get down on the floor with Aiden. Like the other day, I Aiden wouldn't take a nap, and I rocked him to sleep. And she actually came in and laid on the floor in the nursery, which she would never done. So, and, but then all of nowhere yesterday, she woke up from a nap while Aiden was sleeping, and she couldn't get out of bed because when she tried to get up, like everything was spinning, and it was like the worst, you know, for the lack of phrase, spell she's ever you know came across, and it was just. A terrible thing to have to you know go through and sit and watch and um my, my mother-in-law came down to help out and we had to take ended up you know going to the emergency room just to make sure it's not something you know worse get her checked out gave her a couple of prescriptions for it just to help with the symptoms which she she hasn't had to take so i mean luckily she hasn't had any issues today went with a follow-up with her doctor went to her chiropractor got adjusted and got um helped out there uh, we are going to make some changes to her diet because we think, um, based on some test results, she got back before she's got a lot of inflammation in her body. So uh, I'm thinking one of her doctors thought, you know, changing, getting rid of gluten, getting rid of dairy will help lower that inflammation. And doing some reading online, she saw a lot of other people that have uh, experienced the same thing. And changing, making those changes really helped improve them. I when had you, other people. Where, when you say inflammation, where like inflammation of like the stomach or like the stomach lining or well, like, no, with this, this doctor has said just in her, her body as a whole, she has a lot of inflammation. Um, uh, but this, what would cause this was like inflammation around that, your inner ear, that middle ear, oh, area, yeah, yeah, which yeah. helps offset that, that type of fluid. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's tough because anytime this has happened, we can't, we never get like a exact answer. I feel know, like that's and, the case you know, with anything. Like, it's like, like, oh, it's, it's your anxiety or, you know, it's this, but I'm not really worried about it. But, you know, you could always oh, just have, you could, you could always have this. So, you know, oh, thanks. That makes us feel Look at my gallbladder know. thing. I could, I didn't even get a f- yeah. real answer about that. It doesn't matter what it is. You just get like a, yeah. mm, I don't know, come back for 8,000 more tests so we can charge yep. you. So the important thing is, you know, not to let the fear of it coming back stop her from doing what she needs to do. And she needs to just continue to live her life and, you know, just push forward. And just, it's just stuck. It, like she says, you know, I, it's tough for me because there's nothing, you know, I can't do anything mm-hmm. to help, like you said. And then um, she, uh, you know, she's got a good pain tolerance, so she would gladly take pain. She can push through pain and deal with pain, but when you're dizzy, like you said, you can't do anything, and it's just tough to watch someone you care about like not be able to do anything. Yeah, it's for sure. Not, um, it's not fun. <sighs> it's not fun. So um, 
we're doing better now. My mom, my mother-in-law is still here with us and just to help out, just to be that support while, you know, she gets back in the swing of things, which is nice. It gives me peace of mind when I'm away at work mm-hmm. and everything. So we're, uh, we're doing good. It's just, uh, not a fun thing. And I had, you know, some people, you know, some good support on Twitter from people too, offering suggestions of things that they go through and other things to try. So, um, you know, we're going to make steps with this diet, these diet restrictions and see if that really helps. And the, I mean, the important thing is like her one doctor told her is like, no, don't get upset with this. Don't look at this as a major setback because look at everything you've done prior to this. You know, you were feeling the best you ever have. This isn't a major setback. This is just, you know, this little bump on your road of progress. So I think that's a really good way to a mindset to take with it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so we're uh, we're through it. We're on the way, and uh, you know, back to back to good things. Reality. So. Oops, there goes gravity. <laughs> Oops, there goes You're gravity. So mad at me, mom spaghetti. Mom spaghetti. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. So, well, good, good. Um, I'm glad that everything. I, I hope I didn't is... reveal too many details, Jessica. So, um, but I want to share your story. <laughs> so. There well, you have thank it. you. So that that's IRL. That's IRL for for this week. Thank you for tuning in. Comment, like, subscribe. Be all the things. Mm. Mhm. Mhm. Uh so we had a Netflixation vote on Twitter this past week and we gave you two movie choices between Nightcrawler and The Bad Batch. And the people, you the people, you've spoken. You voted. You with your clicky fingers and you said I want to watch this one. And the votes have in. They've been tabulated. We did a, a regular recount via Al Gore, and the results are in. We are going to be watching Nightcrawler for the next Netflixation and movie. Should I get? Do you want Lucas? Do you need to be told again how Netflix describes this movie? Um, yes, please. I will then. A photographer makes his name with crime scene shots. His big mistake: going from shooting crimes. To committing crimes. What? Jake Gyllenhaal, Nightcrawler. Next time on Netflixation. Which, uh, let's see, it's uh, October 10th. So, yeah, you know, within a couple weeks we'll watch that. And we'll talk about it. We really missed, we really dropped a ball here, though. We probably should have both picked horror Halloween-themed things to go with October. But, you know. We're, there wasn't we're, used really, to not being, we're really used to not being topical here on Flex the Post. I don't think there's, from what I saw, I don't even think there's anything good. There's like that new Chucky movie, which I'm sure is terrible. Chucky, Pearl. cult, or... Just, just, just plain terrible. <laughs> Bunching. Bunching yeah, cult Cult of Chucky. Horror, see, yeah. the problem with horror on Netflix is that it's a, it can be a real um, jumping ground of crappy, like... Why is Spawn in the horror category? That's weird. Ooh. Um, but yeah, there's nothing in here necessarily that I would, I would say, looks all that interesting. It would, it would definitely be something that would border more on the so bad it's good category. Children of the Corn. I haven't seen that in a long time. Hellraiser, the original. Ooh. So there's a couple of decent ones, but everything, I mean, you really have to shovel the shit away to get to it. I've been told I should watch The Void. I need to watch that. Oh, uh, yeah, the Donnie, I think, suggested that one, too. 
I'm gonna add it to my list right now. <laughs> Look at that. You're you're doing things on company time. That's true. Dock my pay. That's right. I will. Man, I should. God, I haven't even started Defenders yet. I guess I should slog through that at some point. Uh, so yeah, that's Netflix Nation. We'll watch Nightcrawler. Thank you for your votes. We appreciate it. We we'll, we'll keep doing this. It's fun. We'll, we'll try to keep it. Like we said, we'll try to keep. Uh, the movie suggests who picked what movie a little vague because maybe maybe you're voting for your favorite hosts really and you don't want jason to always win the popular vote what was weird is that we got like a a little paper submission vote oh you remember that really one? yeah no for I a different a completely one. different movie yeah oh it just, it just wrote it just said i i did see that yeah did you see what it said um, I think I did, but I, I, funny thing is I, I, I was in the bathroom with my copy and I mm-hmm. ran out of TP. Oh, uh, oh, this, uh, this note will really do the job. Oh, that's where that to, went. Uh, put my poop on Cody style. <laughs> well, that's how you mark your territory as we all know. And it was, yeah, you're right. It was a write-in vote for a vote C. What was that? What was the movie that attached to that? It was just it? said, it just said C colon. He never died. And then it said at the bottom in really tiny handwriting, hashtag butts, which I thought was kind of weird. Very mysterious. Who could have written such a dastardly deed of a note? I don't know. Hmm. The world will ne- no. <laughs> the world may never know. The world. Hey, at least it got know. put to good use. You know, you recycled that that note. Hey, you know, I made yeah, exactly. I put my thoughts. I. In, in a ways I could never really encapsulate my thoughts, I did with actions. And they speak louder than words. And let's face it, it was a masterpiece. It was artful. I'm glad you appreciated my haiku. <laughs> Do you know what a haiku is? It's a thing of beauty. You're right. And I think I think this was a thing of beauty as well. So I think, you know, that's what it is. You know? You know, like, I just feel like, Lucas, it's, you know, like an expression of like modern day society. <laughs> yeah. And like where we stand on things and if nothing else, it's going to be huge. Oh, God. So enough of that. Thank you for your voting <laughs> on Netflixation. We appreciate it. Now, Everyone's like, what's happening? What's going on right now? This, I don't understand. This podcast makes no sense. As we stated in the pre-show tabletture. We watched the movie Ooh. this weekend. Yeah. A movie that released this weekend. So we're once mm-hmm. again, we're, we're on point. We're on point, son. And we went and saw Blade Runner 2049. Ooh, remember that? Ambiance. Sounds like THX. So, I'm, gonna let this, I'm just going to let this play for just a little bit in the background here. Okay. So, yeah, we went and saw the sequel to Blade Runner, Blade Runner 2049. Now, we are going spoiler-free discussion, as if we've... Yeah, I mean, it's too... I think I feel like maybe after the first week we could do spoiler-free, but this is the first week. I mean, yeah. uh, with spoilers. The first, this hasn't so. been out a week, so... Yeah, exactly, yeah. so... Uh, I mean, 
I, I think we I have of, plenty for, to talk about without yeah, talking about the story. Yeah, I do anyway. find it funny because usually, you know, whenever you go to a movie with someone, you always, once you get out, you're always like, oh, you always talk about it. But, like, due to the circumstances around the night, we're like, well, that was a thing. And then we both, yeah. <laughs> off we went. We kiss <laughs> and we go. <laughs> we fly because yeah. we're fools. We cuddled, um, had a long, awkward hug, and parted you put into it, the night. You had a surprise in my popcorn, which was weird. And it wasn't peanut M and M's, if you know what I mean. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was uh, Slim Jim. But anyways, um, you know the funny thing I find about this movie is that they had a you know an embargo basically, and critics weren't really allowed to say anything about like the story of the movie until like after a release. There was like good. <laughs> it was kind of like interesting. So. Here's I, I was watching like on you know my my wife really enjoys watching Ellen and so this past week they actually had um, Jared Leto was a guest um, Ryan Gosling was a guest and Harrison Ford was a guest too so they obviously promoting the film but when Harrison Ford was on there he said how it's you know he said it's standalone and you don't need to see the first one to to enjoy this movie would you agree with that statement? Yes, but I feel like it won't have as much of an impact if you don't see the first one and don't know who um, Deckard is. Yeah, and that's what I told. That's what I told Jess too. Like, I think you can get enjoyment out of it, but I don't think you're gonna really get everything that's at play here. Really, I feel like I feel like the first movie maybe a little bit better gets you into the world of Blade Runner. Well, yes. Well, this like further lets you play around in that world, but you have to like you know you have to know the basic rules first. I feel like, and that's what this movie just kind of drops you in a little bit. I do feel like, um, yeah, let's. I mean, that's a good place to start. Let's talk about the way that the movie looked. Um, that Can was actually that this, one of this my. This is like the the penultimate Fluxtapose movie. Like this is like this is what Fluxtapose is at its core. Weird, crazy synth music, neon lights, dirty pollution. And futures, giant statues of naked women. Yeah, neo noir. That's flexible. Now, if all of a sudden when Ryan Gosling turned a corner, it was like push it to the limit. <laughs> <laughs> that's then, the other. That's one side of the flexible post coin is as Blade Runner, and then the other side is cheesy, awful eighties everything that, else. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um. But I will say that I agree with your point that. Uh, I do feel like the first one gave us a little bit more texture to the world and I'm not mad about that, but I did, I guess I will say I noticed that this, uh, the design in, uh, 2049 feels a little cleaner and a little more vacant. There's only a couple of times in the movie where you're at street level and Mm -hmm. there's actual crowds. You actually see a little bit more of the world. Um, but for the most part, a lot of the places are very empty and sterile, 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 sterile. Um, you know, I was surprised by, you would think there'd be more air traffic than what we see unless it's heavy, heavily regulated. But I always think of when I think of the future and stuff, I think of what we see of like Coruscant and star Wars or just giant lines of. Hill, Hill Valley and Back to the Future too. You know, there's just all this air traffic flying around. But yeah. this, you know, it's just you know blocks and blocks and blocks of industrialness, and then just everyone living in the squalor underneath all these buildings. And and why is it always precipitating? It's always either raining or snowing. Because it's neon noir. It's uh, got to be raining. Got to set. Got to set the moody. 
Okay. I'm sure there's some. It's probably acid rain, and it's because of the horrible uh, global warming. It's all oh my gosh, warming. I get it. So that movie, that movie we saw the trailer for, they didn't actually fix the problem. That weather machine was always broken. Oh, that's and right. Created this is, the Blade this, Runner world. <laughs> this is that's actually really a prequel Geostorm. To yeah. <laughs> ah. Okay. Now you you figured Geostorm it out. Geostorm is the prequel to Blade Runner. Got it. Set three hundred year no. 40 years in the past. Yeah. I guess something like that. Um, okay. Back. So <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, I, I will say that that was one thing that I definitely noticed and that was, that's probably the worst I can say about this movie. So just, I guess from here on out, just keep that in mind that the rest of it for me is just going to be um, praise because I, I, <sighs> One thing I want to, I'm curious to see from your point of view, because this is definitely a movie that takes its time and Mm -hmm. has a lot of breathing room um, in its pacing. Yeah. And I remember you said that uh, when we left the movie, one of the things that I remember you saying is even though it's about two hours and 45 minutes, it doesn't feel that way. No. And I thought that too. It doesn't. Yeah, which I was, you know, going into a movie like that, you're thinking, oh boy, because it's either gonna, you're going to really notice it, or you know, let's face it, if it's bad, you're going to notice every second. But if it's good, you're just going to be wrapped up in it. And mm-hmm. I think that definitely speaks volumes of what this movie was for me and how it appealed to me. Is I didn't really notice time passing while we were in that film, and um, I don't, I think, you know, I can't, I can't comment too much on the cinematography. Of it, I find it inter- like. What do you feel is a greater challenge when you're doing, when, you know, we're because I I will say like you know the shots and things they had set up were were great, you know, really stunning, really visual, a lot of visuals to take in. But what do you think is harder to when you're shooting something like that, with actual you know real world backdrops or something like this, which is you know what ninety percent computer graphics you know mm-hmm. and how those how you create those and tailor those shots to how you want the scenes to look uh, I think it's a challenge either way because if you do CG if you do computer graphics I think the tough part of that is walking the line from too much like how much is too much you know what I mean it's really easy when you're doing when you can do anything to do everything um I feel like that's part of the reason why Transformers, a lot of people talk about how you just look, it just, it's hard to follow because there's just a bunch of metal clashing together mm-hmm. and you can't really yeah. understand what's happening. Um, but if you do real world locations, it might be tough to get the feeling that you want. I did notice there were a couple of times where um, I think a lot of the, I think a lot of the, um, challenge in this one was that a lot of them felt like they were probably sets good sets uh sets Mm -hmm. with a lot of atmosphere but i think of like the entrance to a building it would just be something simple like a door but then it would have two uh green neon lights next to it or like these like softly glowing neon lights but because of the rain and there's like a lot of texture to the way that it's filmed it didn't bug me that everything looked sparse. It was just like a part of the world. Yeah. And I think it looks, it, everything looks cohesive too. Like, yeah, it's all very dirty, grungy dink. It, I mean, it's like, it's like watching shadow run. I mean, really, mm-hmm. I mean, without, without too much of the, uh, Oh gosh, help me out. What are your, uh, 
you're geeked out. Uh, oh, the cyber, like the cyber yeah, people, yeah, or like the troll, yeah. like the metahumans. There's yeah. clearly not none of that, but what is the code word for that when you're when cybered you're up? Like, yeah, chromed. Is that what they call it? I don't. Remember. I, I thought there was a term they used in Shadowrun for one that's, but I can't remember now. For when yeah, you're, it's not. For when you're what? When you're like when, when you're you have like, a lot of um, a lot of implants and everything. Yeah, I think it's well. There, I think there are a couple, but I've seen mostly chromed. Is mm, okay. I can't. But remember, there might so. be another one. Um. But yeah. Uh. Like I said, I do feel like it was a little bit lighter because a lot of the the sets were very. Um, they almost had like a watercolor feel to them. Very soft. Um, yes. Like in the in the in the beginning, he goes to this um, farm area. And it has a very, like a lot of straight lines, a lot of grays and everything, but I don't know. There's just something simple about it where it looks beautiful, but at the same time, you're not having to look at so much visual information that it becomes overwhelming. There's a lot like, there's a lot of like nuance in this entire movie. And I put that a lot of that credit into the director because along with like the pacing and everything and how there's time to breathe and you see the characters consider things for a long time. Um, there's a lot of things here that just come together perfectly because mm-hmm. you have a, an interesting thing to w- look at visually with an actor who's portraying a character with a lot of subtlety and nuance. And then you allow that um, you allow that scene to breathe while that person is acting and it just gives you it gives you like a focal point and it draws you in and it doesn't feel like it's two hours and 45 minutes you know Mm -hmm. what i mean yeah um whereas you can have like war movies for instance that are that long or like these epics where so much is happening all the time and you're constantly moving like one of the things i never really liked about the hobbit or not the Hobbit, um, Lord of the Rings movies, is that you're constantly going from place to place to place to place. And as yeah. somebody who's never read the books, it makes it, it can kind of become overwhelming. And so for a yeah. while, like for me, I just start ignoring where we're at. And I just try and, yeah, try to remember all these locations and all these things. Yeah. I just drop the names. I drop the locations and I just watch the movie and then I can enjoy it. Whereas here, that stuff is withheld for the most part. And you just kind of watch it as it happens. You're drip fed information visually or through the story or through dialogue. And it keeps you on kind of like this level field where you can pay attention, but you don't feel like you're being overwhelmed. Yeah. I like the, like the contrast and colors that we saw too. Like, like you described that, that farm scene has a distinct look. And then the main city of Los Angeles has, is always, we always see it as it's just dark and, Sterile. A lot of lights. Not really sterile feeling, but just dark and just kind of industrial feeling. Yeah, I feel, industrial. I, like. I think in a sense of sadness. I think kind of goes around with that. Yeah, that too. And then another area is like very, very white. And then um, you know we have um, like you see in the trailer where it's very like an orangish yellow. Everything's like yes. Know, That's probably the most co- besides for like the lights and stuff. That is definitely one of the more visually interesting areas I feel like. Mm-hmm. So I, I think, mean, I mean, 
I think that's what probably is really getting you know mostly you know getting the critical praise right now a lot. I think as we see is you know the cinematography and everything for this film, and I you know you can see why. So I'm I actually I was surprised by the you know we have score as another point to touch on the design. I was actually I was surprised because I was expecting to get a little bit more, but in this I feel like the score it's always kind of taking a back seat. Um, Mm -hmm. It does support what we're seeing on screen. But I don't think it ever overpowers. And like at every point, I was like, I can't like if I think back, I can't think of any specific scene where I could remember what specific music was playing. Because I think it was right, except maybe like the you know the like the the nightclub scene which you see briefly in trailers because that was and that was like a focal point there. But I mean, otherwise, it's very much just not. I don't want to say mellow, but it's very. It's just a it's like an extra. Yeah, exactly. Very atmospheric. You know, it rises and falls with based on what's going on. I'm going to bring never, a little bit back up in here. Yeah, it never detracts. I, would, I don't say it definitely never detracts from what I'm seeing, but it only just enhances, you know. It's music. almost a part of the production design, it feels like. It, 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 it has texture. It has... Um, it's like... It's subtle, but it's there to give you... Um, it provokes kind of a feeling in you and most of the time it's it's almost just like a texture of wherever we are um so like this is the song that plays when he flies to um back to the precinct and you're just seeing a bunch of the city and stuff and like to me I hear this and I'm watching what's happening and like we kind of get to know we've already seen him on screen for probably 10 or 15 minutes uh, and how, kind of how he is and it just feels very like brooding it kind of matches the feel of the city that we're seeing as he as he flies in and again it's like that marriage of like you hear things um, that kind of give you almost like a sense of what this city sounds like if it were a song or this place yeah. sounds like if it was yeah. musical. Okay, yeah. Kind of reminds me of Terminator, <laughs> by the way. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I can could, I could see that. Um, you know, I can't... I was hoping... I would, if I had more time, I wanted to watch the original again before seeing this, but it, it wasn't available on any streaming sites. I mean, for a time, it was on Netflix and it was on Amazon, but now it's only, you know, for rental, and I didn't want to... Mm-hmm. I didn't want to pay. I, I need to actually. Oh, I should just own Blade Runner. I think that's yes. one of the films I would like to own. And then I need then to as the well. debate. There's like the debate. Oh, do I get the original theatrical? Do I get the director's cut? Do I get the final cut? I was yeah. actually I was watching a video about that. So so I actually have some ac- information on that that I don't. I was trying to tell you about it when we after we yeah, watched it, we, but we I don't remember. It a little bit. So there's three widely available um, versions, at least as far as anybody who's looking to buy it is concerned there's of the original there's the theatric release which is what i was telling you has the um voiceovers and everything but what it also has to uh i think the detriment of the movie is uh it has the narration which is bad it's pretty bad because it basically spells out everything that's happening for you which in this movie like you didn't need it for 2049 so i I don't think you'll need it for the original blade runner um but it it also changes the ending and, and it cut a very pivotal scene out of um a certain sequence when the uh deckard is alone in his apartment and i think those two things are 
without spoiling anything, because if you haven't seen Blade Runner, you definitely should. Um, I think those things, the changed ending where it's over explained what happens at the end and the deleted scene, you need those. So the other two versions are the, the director's cut and the final cut. And the director's cut, I think, was released in the 90s. The final cut was like 2007 or something like that. The only difference between those two is it's a different color grading. Um, The final cut is kind of like a a greenish tint to it, whereas the director's cut is a bluer tint like the original was. Um, So that's just down to personal preference. And um, the final cut is... I mean, if you think it was remastered in 2007, uh, it probably has a little bit more of what we would consider a, a standard in this day and age, especially for a sci-fi movie. Um, so those are the two major differences between the director's cut and the final cut. So if okay. you see either one of those two, I think you're still good. I watched the uh, the director's cut personally um, the last time I watched it, so... Uh, the final cut I'd be interested in watching, and I would definitely, I, I would have no qualms getting. I'd yeah, probably I buy that. I can't remember what version I've seen. So my whole point was I was hoping to revisit that and kind of pick apart, like, you know, the music and more of, I mean, I'm familiar with the story. I mean, because I, I, it's Blade Runner. I mean, come on. So Yeah. But um, back to, you know, we're going on with this, the actual music, I... I was I was really happy with this, you know I was really happy with that I, I was expecting something, you know I don't know I, I I guess I was expecting almost something at times out of my Revenge of the Synth playlist, but <laughs> at, at the same time I think that's a little more too much and it would have been a detriment to the film. So I'm really pleased with the direction that this that this went in. With yeah, it. I agree. Um, what about? How did you feel as far as um as far as um Ryan Gosling as kind of the main I I had I thought we would see a little bit more of Harrison Ford in this movie. I'm not like upset that we didn't, but I would say he's probably in about 30% of the film, uh maybe 40 where we mostly get Ryan Gosling. How did you feel about his um portrayal as what K? I think was his, his yeah, name. Yeah, K. Um, you know, I haven't seen a whole lot of. Well, I take that back because I mean, just watching uh, Drive. You know, that that's in a way yeah. uh, somewhat similar. In a way, um, I don't know. I I was I haven't watched a whole lot. You know, without with him as, in a leading role, um, to base off of. But I was really um. I was really happy with what he did, especially because I didn't know the details about his specific character until you watch the movie. Yeah, so me either. That, I that really was a knew nice nothing. Sur- about that was this. an interesting surprise for everyone to to see, and I really like was pleased with what he did with it. I, um, I mean, I really enjoyed his character and his his role of that, and especially as we see you know, him go through some growth between, you know, disbelief and then um, realization and then hope and then acceptance. And then, you know, he goes through this change of progression through his storyline that I think was really interesting to, to see play out. Yeah, I agree. Um, Again, it's one of those things where it's not, 
none of these characters are like the deepest in the world, but what that allows for is, you know, you kind of are understanding the journey he's taking without being like, oh, I need to know, you know, what every little thing about his backstory. I I don't need it explained like where he works or how he does Mm -hmm. his business. You just see it in the way, especially in that opening scene, you just see it in his actions. You see it in the way he complies with things and the way he conducts his business. And like I said, he doesn't have the, he, he has the most uh, character arc out of anybody, I would say. Um, Mm. But it's not one that, it doesn't need complexity for the sake of being complex. If that makes any sense. Like, it's it's easy to follow. It allows you to take this journey with him. Uh, and it's just there. It's given to you. Take it as you will. You can see it in, in the way he's... You can see his internal struggle, for instance. And um, I think that it was done really well. I think he did a good job. The person who probably surprised me the most, though, out of how they handled the character was... Um, oh, gosh, what's his name? Jared Leto. Mm. I did not really expect a lot out of him, to be honest. I was um, I was thinking we were going to get more from him, though, too. I was a little disappointed with how limited we, we get to see that that character. Yeah. I. There's one scene in particular uh, that happens towards the end that I think uh, was kind of when you realize what kind of guy neander wallace is but at the beginning towards the beginning anyway there's another scene that i think part of it plays in one of the trailers that you also i think he did really well like that was i think it's like one of the first times you really see him and i was like okay i stopped seeing him as jared leto and started seeing him as the character he plays you know Mm. uh yeah. And I thought he did a, a fairly good job, all things considered. So he always does. And really by that, good, I mean like job getting into his roles and playing these, you know, these parts. I've always, you know, I've always liked him as an actor. It's weird to think. Uh, it's funny to think he's also in a band. I don't know why, I, but I, it just. I know. I saw them in concert once. Oh, my. Um, You know, I will say, though, I, what I am disappointed is that I feel like there there's a lot of throwaway characters here, too that are that you could just really put anybody else in those in those roles because they didn't do a whole lot but i i wish i was happy like i really liked robin wright's character um yeah she was pretty interesting i don't know is it joshi it's j-o-s-h-i i I don't know if it's lieutenant joshi or joshi i don't remember remember hearing it all yeah it was always madame but yeah right like as you know his superior was really interesting um and then his uh, his AI companion was a was a really cool. Role. That was a really nice uh, side story that gave a yes, lot of a lot of depth. Interesting, to, where yeah. he could just been a throw. It really gave you a little more depth to K that we don't see. Um, you know, like I'm really disappointed with like Mackenzie Davis. I was like she has a pretty interesting part, but it's so limited. And I think with someone of her talent, I think after watching her on Halt and Catch Fire, you know, it could have been given so much more. But I, I just, I don't know. I feel like 
She reminds to... me of the the replicant from the original movie with the black over her eyes. You know, yeah, by, by uh, Daryl Hannah. Daryl Hannah's her name? character. Yep. She. Um, it's funny because I was writing an interview and it talked about that was her favorite character in the original movie. And they, she went, <laughs> went as her as Halloween once. And like the one site I was reading, how she was, uh, they referred to her as a doppelganger of Daryl Hannah. I was like, oh, that's a little true. bit. She yeah. looks very similar to her at that time. Especially um, with the hair. I wish we got to see a little bit more of love, Sylvia Hoke's character, because she, I, I thought she was really interesting. That was a really interesting character to watch how she, she played out, you know, uh, Jared Leto's mm-hmm. right hand woman, so to speak. So that was, I, I, I know any, every scene she had, I, I have never seen her in anything of it, but I really liked her, her presence and everything that she had, she did. So, um, very, I don't know. I, it's a good, really. I think it's a strong cast for sure, and um, it was funny because I read it when I got home that night. I read an article because this movie. Let's look at. Um, let's see. Box office wise, like this movie is not doing well. No, I actually um, read a thing that it said it tanked basically. Yeah, because I think it has a budget of roughly like 150 million, and I think as of. Sunday night, it only done like thirty five or thirty somewhere in the thirties domestically, and I think you know internationally, I think it was up to eighty. But I really feel that this movie has a lot more, probably can likely have a lot more appeal and success overseas than I think just you know U.S. audiences. Um, I think it'll make a lot of money back on um, sales of the when it comes out on DVD and Blu-ray, honestly, yeah, cause you're going to get people so. who love this series are going to, mm-hmm. are going to buy. Well, the same thing, same thing with original, the original Blade Runner, I think had a, a, a budget of like 33 million and it grossed like 38, you know? So it was wow, not successful barely. by any means. So that was, that was like raised question that why this was even created in the first place. Why are you making a sequel to a poorly successful film in the first place? And it's an R rated adult sci-fi I mean, so I read an article though, but it was interesting. It was like you know, ten reasons why this movie wasn't doing well, and it brought up that point. It talked about um, you know a lot of the female characters are kind of throwaways. There's not like a lot of characters that you can kind of get behind besides the couple that I mentioned. And I think I feel like two that we'll see there that is in this in this world. But I mean, it fits with it. Is there's like a lot of uh, female sexualization that takes place? Yeah. Um, which is what you see in this setting most of the time with the way, you know, there's no billboards. There's just crazy neon holograms and things of that nature. But, I mean, the orange the, the, the orange world, we'll refer it to. Mm-hmm. I mean, look what that had depicted there. I mean, and so it, it just it really stands out. And I can see how that could be off-putting to some people. But, um, but going back to what we were talking about, as from an acting standpoint, very... Um, very strong. And I have to say, um, you know, moving into the technical side of things, let's, you know, we want to talk effects, like the effects in this movie were amazing and like to not give away any details, but we saw a merging of two characters on screen, (laughs) which is creepy, but I've never seen that done before the way they layered things. And it's like, you took two actors and all of a sudden they're this own actor. And every one point in time we could see, features from one or the other it was just really interesting there was some stuff that you hadn't i would not i hadn't ever seen before 
um, not that I've seen everything, but just like right. you get used to certain CG effects and you're just like, oh, okay. Like I think of zombies for inch, for instance, and blood and stuff like that. A lot of the times that's just CG cause it's easier, but here there was quite a bit. And, and sometimes it's hard to draw the line between what is CG and what, what is, I mean, that obviously was, or at least it was some kind of in camera trick or some sort of effect. So yeah, there's a lot of there's definitely a lot of effects in here that just blur the line between what's an effect, what's what's actually happening in front of these actors, you know, what can they what can they um what do they get to react to and what do they mm-hmm. have to pretend like they're reacting to? But either way, a good effect is one that you don't even know is an effect at all. So Yes. I would definitely be interested in watching the special edition behind the scenes type stuff to, to see how things were put together because I bet I'll, if I bet I would have no clue to some of these things and, and just be like, Oh, that was an effect or, or whatever, you know? Um, but yeah, I liked the movie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, you know, I think I'll talk about, my last point, because we were, you know, kind of talked about the flow and everything, the transitions, and but like the story itself, like it, it, once it got going, because you know it's, this is you know futurist neo noir, I think is what they classify it as the style, mm-hmm. and it, I could totally see this. I, I hate coming back to it, but for me, it was like just remind me of like the slow, the slowly, the way the tale unwove with Dead Man Switch. You know, all of a sudden, like you know, you think this is just an open and shut detective case. With mm-hmm. you know, with Kay going out and just doing his job and retiring replicants, and then he uncovers a, a you know, a rabbit hole of so much more that what's really going on, and then you know, the whole hierarchy of society as we know it lays in the the balance of this. Yeah, you know, this happening. So innocuous mission that he was on that opens up a can of worms and. Or like you said, a rabbit hole, and unfortunately, you're thrust into this situation. Like you said, that's that could possibly change the world. Yes, many many twists and turns along the way with this one. Uh, but the big thing is, do you recommend it, Jason? You know i I don't think I can recommend it to everyone because I think I don't think you you know if you're not a generic audience goer. Is it going to like this film? But I, I think if you're a fan of sci-fi whatsoever, yes. I mean, and that's not to say that I don't like this movie, but I, you know, like, is my wife going to watch this movie ever? No, I don't think right. so. But I really liked it. I really enjoyed it. I don't know if, if I could ever grade it, but I definitely would recommend it. I, um, as I double back on my original answer. <laughs> well, like you said, it, it's tough because it isn't a movie that's for everyone. There can be, certainly there can be things that are made and made well that aren't for everyone. And it, whether or not it's fortunate or unfortunate that it's not doing well in the box office, mm-hmm. I will say that it is a very, even if you're not a fan of sci-fi, if you're a fan of movies that are made well, like if you're a fan of just good movies and you want examples of cinematography or good direction, then check this movie out because it is a prime example 
especially in today's day and age where it's more and more likely that you'll just kind of get a bit of the same feeling from a lot of movies, mm-hmm. a lot of blockbusters, you know, like it's, so, I mean, blockbusters are always the ones that are going to keep the, the movie theater in business, but it's these movies that get made because of those that again, not for everyone, but they are made well and they are a prime example of whatever genre they're representing. And Blade Runner 2049 is definitely one of the better sci-fi movies that has been released as far as movies as art goes. It's not It's not like, it's not, I feel like all the other sci-fi we get lately is like young adult sci-fi. Yeah. In Star Wars. Well, look know? at so this Prime, is, uh, what, what, would, what did we see? Jupiter uh, Ascending? No, Pacific exactly. Rim 2. Okay. Like I love Pacific Rim. Like I loved the first one because I don't have. I don't think I'll see these. It's Transformers Rim now. Yeah, exactly. Well, part of that's because Guillermo del Toro isn't part of it, if I remember correctly. Correct. Um, because even then, you still see little nuances of of um story and character development, and now it just seems like uh two like a giant robot and a monster fighting, which is fine. But for those of us who want a little bit more than that. Uh, it seems like you either get that or you get Blade Runner. There's like no yeah. in between a lot yeah. of the time. So, um, so it's good to see these other movies that come out where you buck the trend a little bit and yeah, um, find at least some success. Hey, I don't get to go love. to movies often, and so far I'm two for two. I saw it, and I saw Blade Runner, and I'm very That's happy true. With, with both of those. And the way it looks right now, my next movie is in December with The Last Jedi. That's true. I would have seen. I wanted to see Mother. Um, apparently the, I, mm. I heard that that's kind of a, um, polarizing film, yeah. but, uh, good example of a movie I would have seen if I had my movie pass card, but I'm still waiting on that damn but thing. But you don't yet. So I don't. Therefore I'll sit my ass at home and watch Netflix <laughs> instead of in that movie theater chair watching something on the big screen. So, uh, Blade Runner gets two le- replicants out of two replicants from Flux Bows. So <laughs> yes, two replicant thumbs ups. You should go. You should go watch it. And tell you know we talk. Tell us if you do. And uh, you know we've talked for a bit. So as always, we like to break up the show with a little overclocked remix break, sponsored by Overclocked Remix, but not. Uh, but we still like to play their music anyway because it's a good time for everyone involved. So Lucas has this fancy randomizing machine of magic. It helps us select a song each and every week. Mm-hmm. Lucas, I'll yeah, do your thing. I'll start the algorithm. It finds the best song to play for this episode. I want it to be Animal Crossing. Oh, too bad. Damn. Oh, boy. I don't want it to be Castlevania. Castlevania. You like to play Castlevania. So, our selection this week comes from the original game of your nightmares, Ninja Gaiden. And it's called The Cost of Vengeance. Our remixer is Vijay van der Weyden and... Job, what's that? Maybe was that Job, Vicomp? I would Joben? believe Joban. Um, <laughs> let's get the details here. Uh, this is again Ninja Gaiden, released by Tecmo in 1988 on the Nintendo Entertainment System. It features the song "A Decision," "Father's Letter," "Requiem," and "Ryu's Determination." Again, this is the cost of vengeance, and you can find this remix and many, many more at ocremix.org. 
All right, that was Overclocked Remix. Thank you for sticking with us. We're back, and we're ready to talk some What You Playing. Wolverine. <laughs> That's the new one. That's the new one. So good. That's so, the new hotness. So good. Well, Lucas, what have you been up to, man? What have you been... Yes. Well, well, let me tell you about a little game I played called Singularity. I gotta, like, Google um, this, because I'm not aware of this game at all. I only know of this game because it was recommended to me. Well, not to me personally, but it was recommended by um, Jim Sterling. Um, Fight uh, the past to save the future. In Singularity. Uh, Came out in 2010. So it is not a new game by any stretch of the word. I believe it it was the 360 PS3 era. And... I I didn't know much about it other than uh, he had recommended it. He had talked it up a little bit, and I kind of knew what it was about slightly, but I didn't know, like, the story. I just kind of knew the setting. Knew that you get this device called the TMD or Time Manipulation Device, and what that allows you to do is there'll be, like, certain, um, certain things in the game, like crates and stuff that you can um, bring back from being like old and rusted and, and broken uh, because it exists in say 2050, just 2049. Uh, Ooh, or you nice. can bring it back to its original state. You can like, you can age things. You can um, de age things, youngify mm. them. Uh, but you can also do things like shoot a bubble that slows down time. Um, you can slow down objects uh, there's some other stuff like story stuff that happens with it, with the uh, TMD itself. But uh, you end up going to this island and um, you're there because there's like a fluctuation or something that causes the satellite to go out of whack. And so the the U.S. sends in a, a couple of guys to go check out what's going on. And you're one of them. And you find out all these uh, space time anomalies and such and then things a story ensues and um, I won't get too much into it because it's kind of a game that you would just have to play. If I just, if I just told you what was happening, you just, there wouldn't really be any point to playing it. Yeah. I kind of got into the story, but the problem for me, and I know this is, this is probably just me, but the presentation of the story and how you perceive what's happening around you is, a little bit similar to Half-Life 2, where you just kind of walk into a room, somebody starts talking to you, and then you go continue your adventure. But for me, the the setting and everything wasn't as interesting. Um, I feel like what was happening in the story was fine, and the things that you do with the TMD as far as the story is concerned is fine. The problem I had is just, I don't know, I just couldn't get into who I was as a character in this game. I know that sounds dumb, but 
when the sole purpose of why you're playing the game isn't because the gameplay is necessarily super fun uh, as far as like the gunplay and everything yeah. like that all is pretty standard. Um, I want to know FPS, what happens. Yeah. With an FPS, you either got to have a good story or a good gameplay. Otherwise if it's just middling in between, it's yeah. fall through the cracks. Well, really. like doom, you look at doom, it has a story and it's provided in the same fashion. You you pretty much stay in first person for most of that game, but it's very fast paced. It's fun to play. Uh, you you know you feel like you're bouncing around. Whereas here, it's not as it's not as uh, in your face or all or the other way. It's not as fun. the The guns don't handle quite as um, as what we would expect now. For instance. I don't know if it's because of the way they had to do the time manipulation, but you actually can see your bullets and when you fire, they seem very slow as far as projectiles mm. go. And, uh, I mean, part of it could be because some of the guns are from the older era, but I, I don't know. It, it yeah. just seems weird. So it's not really like super fun to play. And the story is just kind of middling middle of the road stuff going on. The ending is kind of interesting. I did choose to do, you have two endings presented to you, but then you also have two other endings that aren't immediately obvious to you. And I happened to do one of them. Um, I guess for your sake, cause you'll never play the game. Uh, spoiler alert. Uh, if you ever plan on playing this game. So what it comes down to is there's two scientists who helped create the time manipulation device. One of which kind of turned bad and wanted to use it against a good humanity and a bad scientist. Pretty much. Actually, in my opinion, they were both Dr. bad. Light so, and Dr. Wiley. In my opinion, they were both bad and did both deserve to die. And so I shot both of them and that created um, kind of a third ending for me. Uh, which wasn't particularly obvious because, of course, one or the other wants you to shoot the op- the opposite person. But then I said, you know what? You're both you're both kind of guilty of what happened here, so you're both got to die. <laughs> and that <laughs> we were looking at a Groundhog's Day situation at the end of the game, and so to end that loop, it was important to me that they both end up dying instead of one of them said, "Kill me, kill myself." Fuck that. Mm. I ain't going to mm. do that. Mm. Uh, so for me, I, I mean, I've completed it in seven hours, so it wasn't a huge time sink. Uh, I only I got it on sale for like seven fifty. I'm not a huge fan of it, but I also didn't hate it and forced myself to play all the way through. Um, at the end of the day, I can't really say I recommend it anymore. Um I imagine if I played this in 2010 or even 2012, I'd probably have a different thought on it. But this is one of those games where it's too recent to really feel um, nostalgia for, at least for me. And it's not old enough to to be like, oh, man, I miss that game. Uh, You know, games were better back then because every (laughs) game that's, you know, 15 years old away from current date and time was better back then. Right. The other thing uh, I've been playing was, uh, of course, Telltale's Batman episode, episode two. <laughs> I turned into a comic book guy. Uh, not much to say. <laughs> exactly. Worst episode ever. Uh, not much really to say here. Mostly just a continuation of the story, obviously. But uh, I'm pretty hooked on it. 
there are some things that happen in this episode that uh, are pretty major, but uh, not quite the impact the first episode had as far as uh, combat and relationships and stuff. Just kind of a, a continuation of what's happening. Like I said, uh, I don't really feel like it's kind of like the the journey between point A and point B. Then you have like that little in between line. This is that yeah. line that connects them. Ah. So, just kind of continuing on, on like a, a I said, fiddle faddle. Yeah, uh, I know that makes it sound bad, but I am enjoying it. It just wasn't as gripping as the first episode was. Uh, and then lastly, Last Man on Earth just came out of nowhere. I was on oh. Hulu. Uh, and I saw season four was back on. So there's two you, you episodes must, up. You must be very excited. I am excited. I don't know anybody else besides Mike who watches this show. And I don't know how they're even making it anymore. But if you haven't checked it out, it is funny. Uh, I, I just I, I can't say any more than that. It's yeah, it's I've, a good show. I've never watched an episode. I can't say it. Unfortunately, for the most part, it's it is family friendly. Sort of, but then there's parts of very black humor and violence that not while doesn't happen very often, it will happen randomly. And it's typically not super uh, gory or anything. No, nowhere near like Walking Dead or anything. But there are times when certain things happen on screen. So generally I try to watch it on my own time. But uh, for the most part, I don't think it'll offend anybody um, as long as, you know, you're over 14 so. People have to tell me to watch the show for about two years, and then I watch it. <laughs> well, I, I I don't know. The humor night might not be for everybody. I will say that. Uh, well, if Mike likes it. <laughs> then you know it must suck. It, it's a little goofy, you know? It It is a little... Uh, there's lots of dad jokes, but that's kind of the charm of it. Like, even if you don't like ja- dad jokes, you can at least laugh because the character is constantly telling dad jokes and no one else around him cares for that humor and it kind of makes them annoyed by him so in that sense at the very least it's funny as well but i do i will laugh at a good dad joke so Mm. as you as you know jason so but that's really all that's really all i've been doing well that is all all right all right, I'm all right. checking out checking out a little bit of Tomb Raider, but I'm waiting to talk about it until I get my my meat hooks into it. So, mm, I think that's like kind of dirty, and you shouldn't do that with a game. It's kind of gross. <laughs> and why are there multiple meat hooks? Yeah, why do you have more than one? I don't. I'm really confused now. I mean, I know it's I possible. I mean, I've learned these things on Reddit, but still, you know, it's true. I collect I'm, them. I'm, I'm disturbed a little bit. Uh, anyway, okay. I'll send, uh, I'll send pics. Okay, thanks. Okay, thanks. Bye. Uh, I did receive my Super Nintendo Classic from Mr. Donnie Reese on Friday of last week, in time for the weekend. So I, uh, I did, I did take the chance to hook it up. It is tiny, and it's, it's much smaller than what you anticipate. And those Shish controller, me. those controller cable lengths are also much tinier than you anticipate. Uh, but. Uh, it's cool. I mean, I, I I only played. I I hooked it up and played F Zero for a little bit just because I had Aiden was about. I knew Aiden was waking up for his naps. So I'm like, I just want to hook it up and play a little bit. And it's. I mean, yes. Do I know that you can get a much better experience with like a Raspberry Pi and emulation? Yes. Also, then you have to consider. Okay, yeah, I can do that. But also, we got to look at legality concerns because I don't own all those games. So technically, I shouldn't own all the ROMs. So. 
I don't want to go through that. Plus, I just don't want to go through the work. Here, it's already hooked up to my TV, and I can just sit down and play it. And that's all I want to that's do. That's true. So I, I want to Plus, play you get that Mario. sweet controller, dude. That's right, dude. Two of them. Comes with two. What? Yep. Co-op built in. So, <laughs> you know, I've got to... I want to play through Super Mario World on that. I'll probably finally play through Super Metroid. Um... Just because I can, I'll probably play through Link to the Past again, even though I just recently beat that on the 3DS. So it's just going to be a fun little nostalgia trip if I want to hang out and play some cool games. Plus, they got the full version of uh, Star Fox 2. So I'll check that out, compare the differences from the ROM. If you're interested in seeing the playthrough, it's at Flux Depose uh, YouTube channel. Yeah. How did you get that, talking about legality? I, uh, I own the game now, so I guess it's not a problem. That's true. I mean, I own the that- only version of the game. So, retro retrograde you know. uh legality application right. there but <laughs> now however this is the first weekend in a long time i didn't even touch my switch because the bulk of my gaming time was actually i i invested into of all things star wars battlefront 2 had an open beta and I, as of this morning i was or this afternoon i was still i don't even know when it runs to but i was still able to play it um as of this afternoon but um i bounced back and forth between the xbox and the PC, and I had to say, like at first, I thought this was going to be my Xbox go-to game for shooter to first play with some community people. And after my limited time with it, I hated it. I did not like playing this on Xbox at all. On the PC, I just felt so much more comfortable, uh, so much just more at home. I just did not like the thumb and the thumbstick controller trying to FPS with that. It, I just, <laughs> I did not like it. Take you back it to just, those. Take you back to those Halo days, Master But Chief. no, Halo would have been good, though. I like, I really love Halo's gunplay. I feel really comfortable with Halo's gunplay, which is probably why I'll enjoy Destiny, because I just imagine that to be, you know, a similar experience, since it's Bungie. Um, but I don't know, with Battlefront 2, I just, I did not like it. And I, I, I go back and forth so much on this, because even with the PC, while I enjoyed controlling it, I'm still not, tor- I'm not sold on the game. Like, this, I thought this was going to be a, a day one purchase, regardless that if I didn't really have the gaming funds for it. But now I'm like, I'm more than content to wait until after Christmas, I think. I don't see why I need to own this game. Um, and I, I'm trying, because I'm, I'm, if I I'm, tr- I see that I'm trying to let the Star Wars license cloud my judgment. Because if you look at it that way, it is a fantastic Star Wars experience. It feels more epic than the original game. I feel like I'm in, in the movie. So there's three game modes in the beta. Galactic Conquest, I think it was, which is takes place on Theed. So you're on, uh, which is the city in Naboo. Um, clone troopers versus the the Trade Federation droid army. And it's got a series of, of like uh, events that take place. The droids have these giant tanks that are rolling up to attack this palace structure. They get close enough, they blow it open, then they have to invade the like the throne room and capture something. So it's a series of uh, you know attack and defend as you progress um, 20 versus 20. So 40 players total. And it was just for me, it was just a t- horrible experience. I like to think I'm, you know, I'm not am- my amazing at shooters. No, but I would, I say, and I'm, I'm, I'm above average. Yes. I would just die constantly. I would get killed and have no idea where I'm getting shot from. I would get into a firefight and have no chance of, it felt like even returning fire and, or I would just spawn in and die randomly and that was just really frustrating um eventually once i did get the hang of it like i feel like i played this way in the original battlefront too you're just better off not even trying to aim and just spraying from the hip most of the time 
you know that's how i do it <laughs> um other mode is called skirmish which was uh 8v8 i believe and this mode would think of like it took place on uh maz's castle so setting from force awakens and the f- first order is trying to steal some uh jedi artifact so they have to get that artifact from inside the castle and then return it to an extraction point and then the the resistance has to stop them so it works on respawn tickets and then they just have to do that and then as they if you like as they capture like the item the spawn points kind of shift around a little bit um fun like i much enjoyed the smaller setting visually think of it a little more like endor was in the first game but not quite so much overrun with foliage of uh, foliage that it makes it you know impossible to see your targets problem i have though i feel like it, it was horribly like one-sided towards the defenders and with the way the spawns work in this game i don't know how you can ever really do that like you would you would have to have a really coordinated push as the first order in order to actually cap it because I played that, I don't know how many times and I never saw the attackers win. Defenders always won. Wow. Um, same thing though. Uh, I saw both sides go in on, um, with the galactic conquest. And then the third mode was the starfighter mode, which is probably the most improved mode from the game. Cause I think the first starfighter mode and the original was just a waste of time. You know, it's just flying a circle until you blow up basically. While this one feels a lot more, epic in the battle i'm flying i felt like you know you're kind of playing x-wing versus tie fighter again you're flying around i've got turrets to shoot at other tie fighters it was like it almost looked like you're attacking this something that looks almost similar to like the uh the droid armies you know their, their control ships you remember how they were like those ringed orbs yeah think of something like that but half circle so you're attacking like the star destroyer and eventually you fly inside the structure to take down shield generators so it felt just like in Return of the Jedi flying inside the Death Star. It looked very visually similar to that. That was the only game that was set in like the original trilogy timeline. So if you're in an X-Wing, you can be in an A-Wing. It was just, that felt really good. I really much enjoyed that over the first one, but I'm just really torn. Like I really want to like this game, but I felt like it just, the frustration really trumped the fun for me. Like I know Nathan's really huge on it. Some other people I talk to are, that like Star Wars are big on it, but there's too much here that does wrong to win over what it does right. Like I, I like to have a like a shooter really showcase my ability as a player, my skill level to shine and take over my gameplay. But I feel like this is crippled from being a bit too arcadey and trying to level the playing field too much with spam and explosions and things like that that try to keep players on an even even keel. And I just I don't mm-hmm. like that. Plus they're doing. They have the star cards and things again, but now everything's tied behind an unlock system, which is by getting uh, crates, like loot crates that you open, oh, which also that. have yeah, which also you can pay for. So all of a sudden, we're talking. There's like a bit of a pay to win with your unlocks, with your weapons, perks. I just don't like that. I've seen other people have similar concerns on Reddit. Well, but you can you can grind for it, Jason. Well, it's all what? there. I'm going to wait till after Christmas when I'll have some money in my pocket and hopefully a sale price to look at. Because I, I mean, yes, there's a whole there's a single player component too that we can't even talk about here because that's not in the beta. But strictly from the multiplayer portion, which while I do look forward to the single player campaign greatly, I played multiplayer a lot and I just it wasn't enough uh, to win me over. I thought for sure I'd want to play with you know four or five other people that I knew on Xbox, but it was I hated it. I hated playing this on Xbox. 
played it with Josh. Me and Mr. Josh Bones played a little bit, and it was fun playing with Josh, but playing on with the Xbox was not fun for me. Definitely PC wow. all the way. How did you feel about the class system? I couldn't even notice. Didn't even notice it. Really. I wondered about that. Because, like, the assault class was, I thought, would be my go-to, but I, I didn't feel like I could land any shot with the weapon. So I was always going heavy, which was much more of a, like, a heavier weapon that had a high rate of fire, and I just felt like I'd actually, I could actually land my shots, and they would actually pack a punch when they hit. Because mm-hmm. I feel like you got to really do a lot of damage to drop someone. I never tried playing as the officer or the operative. The other two classes, I only did assault and heavy, and most of my time was spent as heavy. Um, I didn't see how classes made a difference, honestly. Because you're Probably still just don't. you're just still just running and shooting at someone, and I didn't see. It's like, just a selection of what kind of groups of weapons you want. <laughs> it, basically, groups of weapons and abilities. I mean, otherwise, it's not like it's not like it, it required teamwork or anything like that. When I think of class system in games, I still gonna go back to enemy territory as being my favorite implementation of that in any game, where you had to have you know a medic and an engineer and a field ops to really do anything. I don't think any game has really done that well since then. Um, beyond that, I had a weird mood, and I jumped. I was like, I'm going to finish Walking Dead. And I jumped back into Season 7 of Walking Dead, and I watched like the five episodes I hadn't seen, and I was like, wow. I'm sucked back into this story and invested. It was awesome. I'm really looking forward to the Season I 8. I need to do that. Starting later this month. And then Lucas and those of you out there, I tell you what, Season 4... Of Halt and Catch Fire, I might go on record saying that is the best season of this show. Wow! I think it's better. I think it's better than season two. Wow! Which previously was lot. my favorite. Was my favorite. Season three was all right, but I mean the time jump to the '90s with the start of the World Wide Web is exciting enough. But I tell you what, I just watched season eight, episode eight, but episode seven it was probably one of the most unexpected punches to the gut. I did not see coming. Crazy. And then, like, this episode eight Dang. was, like, really emotional, wonderfully directed, really interestingly shot. I mean, you, you got to get it into season four as soon as you can. It was, it's awesome. So, Halt and Catch Fire, uh, I think the two-hour finale is this weekend, and it's all gone. It's all gone forever. So, can't recommend, God, I, I'm probably, I might actually go back and watch the whole series again. Dang! I, just, I, I really like. I, I just like the character so much. I love Joe McMillan. I love Gordon. I, uh, I love it all. Scoop McNary. Scoop McNary, <laughs> baby. So that's what I've been caught up into, and uh, looking forward to doing some more. So that's very cool. As we're ought to do, we close out the show with a little visit to the community grab bag. Yeah, I cannot. Hear I'm gonna. That. Sorry, I muted there myself because I'm going for. Uh, this Blade Runner 2049 Best of Synthwave and Cyberpunk music mix for the background. Ooh. Let's hope it's not too distracting. Okay, that'll work. So we're going to start Sounds off Sounds very epic. It does sound epic. What perfect backdrop for Flexicos. Starting off with a little community grab bag action from some, we get some comments from, from past episodes, starting with Grouchy Surge. Hitting us up on the Twitterverse saying, I listened to Flexicos and I remember another crap game I played. Super NES, American Gladiators. Oh, goodness. So, it's probably bad. And we had some good uh, diverging conversation into tennis balls, uh, Nickelodeon guts, and the aggro crag, and (laughs) many, many good things. 
Um, Graham also got into the bad game spirit, and he mentioned that uh, he totally agrees about Rise of the Robots being on that list. And fun fact, on the Super Nintendo version, if you jumped over your opponent, it wouldn't let you turn your character around. So if you jumped over your opponent, you wouldn't be You'd able to fight. you still face the same way. Yeah, so you could not actually turn to fight them. <laughs> Hashtag crappy. That seems weird. Seems horrible. Seems broken as <laughs> broken as fuck is what that seems. Weird has nothing to do with it. And late addition to the show, we have a conversation starter for Mr. Sean Capri, the spunk captain himself of Tube Socks Galore. <laughs> and he asks he was recently a guest on the podcast the Game Moose, Gaming Moose, uh, Twitter handle Game Moose Cast with underscores in between. Uh, while guesting on Game Moose Cast, we theorized that Yoda would fly an X-Wing with wood blocks attached to his feet <laughs> to operate the brake pedals. As I like to think in my head, as Short Round did in Temple of Doom. Sure. What's, what say you? Because we are the experts of Yoda and his preferences, <laughs> his wants, his dislikes, his needs. His deepest darkest desires what, when i picture yoda flying you know what i always see the first image that comes into my head is like those those uh revenge of the of uh, no the uh, revenge of the sith era craft that like obi-wan and anakin were flying those little star oh the like, little one fighters yeah i think that i totally see yoda in that but i totally like the idea of him in the next wing go mm-hmm. But at the same time, would Yoda even need to use his legs? He could just like use the force to like manipulate everything, I feel like. I Yoda strikes me as someone who doesn't do his own flying. You know how some I thought people, about that too. Yeah, you know, yeah, like some people are just fine taking the bus. Like don't have any interest in driving. And I feel like Yoda would be that that mine, type of person. Mine, mine. <laughs> um Yeah, I don't if he did drive, okay. So if he did have an X-wing, I mean, I picture he would just be hanging out with R2 well, in the back and let letting Luke fly around. <laughs> He'd just be back there. Well, <laughs> we know it had. <laughs> uh, we know it has an autopilot. So what's that? I'm sorry, I'm too busy distracting myself with child voices. <laughs> I said we know it has an autopilot. At least if there's an R2 unit connected to it. Because Luke says, no yeah. thanks, R2. I think I'm going to leave it on manual for a while. Like a weirdo. No, we're not going to We're not going to the ground every point. Yes. Um, but also, why does a starship have gas and brake pedals? It would have a thruster and a joystick, and those Ooh. would be mounted on the dash. Oh, shit, y'all. Nerd level 9,000 dropping knowledge bombs. That's what? right, because Come you wouldn't... Me. Yeah. At me, you will come. Yes. <laughs> and now we just do this for another five minutes of the podcast. And we'll end it. Um, I sure. did have feedback from my my wife. gave me some um, feedback for the show, and she said, "Jason, when Lucas Jason. is talking, when Lucas is doing his IRL, and some, I sometimes notice you talking in the same voice." When I'm talking to you on the phone and I know you're on your computer or doing other things and you're not paying mm-hmm. attention to me. So you need to do a better job of paying attention to Lucas. Right. That's not nice of you. So that's that mm-hmm. was my feedback from my wife. I'm sorry, what did you say I wasn't listening? 
<laughs> well, now I know. Now I know. I'm going to go back and I'm going to listen. And I'm going to be like, that is Jason not paying attention. So then I'll ask you really complex questions like, Jason, what did I just say? You're like, now I know what it's like to be Jessica every day. Every day. Every day. Can I just say, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry I'm going to bring this up. But the way that you said game moose cast that I don't know if you paused it in a certain way or what but all I can think of is gay moose cast gay moose <laughs> moose cast game moose cast. not that well, there's anything if, wrong with that yeah what are you trying to say Lucas that I'm thinking about gay mo- mooses you are, you are a gay moose you're very happy <laughs> and you have moose knuckle I mean, that's, that's true that's, that's, that's clear I do. Gosh, it's abundantly, that's abundantly clear. These damn underwear are so tight. You want to see? No. <laughs> no. This is live cast. We save it for the live cast. Save it for the live cast. Well, Ooh. speaking of that, hey, let's... segue. Segway. As always, at the start of the show, we like to thank all of our patrons that have joined on to our campaign on Patreon, but special thanks... To our arbiters of awesomeness, Sean Capri and Edwin Callow, and our executor of excellent, Mr. Josh Barbone. I do want to say a special thank you to Matt Knight, our most newest and bestest Patreon member, because he got us over the hump. We've hit our second milestone on Patreon. Flex to Pose is now self-funded. Yes, yes, claps all around, because Yay. we've hit the goal, the milestone we always wanted to try to hit with the show. And because of awesome people like you guys, we have done so. So uh, please check out patreon.com slash flexsuppose if interested. Uh, what does this mean? Well, in the immediate future, we are ditching WordPress, ditching self-hosting, and we are we're moving to Square Squarespace. And No one will a, be more happy about that than us. <laughs> than us, really. Because I don't know how much you guys even use the website anyway, but now it won't be broken on a weekly basis. And our episode posting process shall be so much nicer. And eventually, we know we might even consider just uh, moving the entire podcast feed to a, a podcast hosting service, such as Libsyn or something else. But uh, I don't really want to think of the headaches of migrating the feed right now. So hopefully, when we do transition to the website, you'll see no impact on your end. I'm hoping it doesn't make you try to download every single episode again when it, the feed like shuts down and goes live again. So we'll see. If, if we have crazy statistic numbers all of a sudden, we'll know why. So, yes. Um, and I'll ask, I want to give a little mention to Adam Leonard from the Mega Dads podcast because he gave us a nice shout out on Twitter today. So thank you, Adam. It's appreciated. And I'm glad I'm glad my uh, my pube beard strikes your fancy. You know How could saying? it not? Uh, How could it not? How could it not? So with that, I think we're yeah. done. I'm gonna let this I'm gonna play this out. You're just gonna in, play this in, out? In uh I guess in uh, respects towards Blade Runner, we will do some Blade Runner-esque music. And like you said, what could be more flexed than some sweet, heavy synths? Right. Mm. <laughs> That's a <laughs> All right. Gotta Thank you for character. listening, everyone. Whoa, we will be back next week for more flexed Until then... You drink the milkshakes and do the things. Goodbye. Goodbye and farewell. Good night, sweet prince. <laughs>